This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. Thanks for joining us here on Side Alpha Podcast. We're here today with Randy Bruton. He recently served as co-chair of the Center for Public Safety Excellence and the International City County Management Association uh, white paper titled 21st Century Fire and Emergency Services. Chief Brugman served as a fire chief for 27 years, including his last eight and a half uh, years before retiring with the Anaheim, California Fire Department, where he retired at the end of 2018. Randy also served as fire chief in Fresno, California, Clackamas County, Oregon, Hoffman Estates, Illinois, and Campbell, California. In 2019, he put all those years together and formed the RSB and Associates Consulting Firm. Chief, let's talk about the CPSE and ICMA uh, white paper. You know, uh, many chiefs have come through systems of bureaucracy that make change difficult. Uh, I suspect those chiefs may be somewhat hesitant to accept the objectiveness of uh, anything with an ICMA report. Um, There was, I know, several years involved in this process. Uh, Can you speak to the relationship of ICMA and CPSE in this and kind of the 30,000-foot look at why the white paper exists? Uh, Yeah, thank you, Chief. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on today. Uh, Yeah, this uh, this discussion goes back with the ICMA several years. As many in the the service know in our profession, the ICMA and the IAFC actually uh, began the what is now the accreditation process back in the late uh, mid mid 1980s with the signing of a memorandum of, of understanding between the two organizations to develop a more comprehensive approach to how to evaluate the fire and emergency services, and so. Uh, we've had a relationship, a pretty close relationship with them that dated dates back uh, that far. And then once the accreditation process uh, emerged, of course, they sit on the board of directors as well as the uh, both commissions that are overseen now by the Center for Public Safety Excellence. They have members on that. And so the relationship has gone uh, forward since that time. And so when I was on the board with CPSC uh, for about 13 years, we had a lot of discussion about how we could continue to facilitate that relationship. In the last couple of years that I was on the board, uh, we started to have discussions with them about, you know, what does the future really look like for the fire and emergency services? Because we had seen a lot of changes since the development of the accreditation process. And that's really what led us to the, the idea of doing this white paper. And so we actually started on this probably about two and a half, three years ago, starting mm-hmm. to map out what, uh, what, what this process would look like, how to get uh, to the point where uh, we were comfortable with uh, uh, being able to obtain enough information to release a, a paper that looked to the future. And so that's kind of how it all started. And then we put together a subject matter expert group and uh, started to uh, do some surveying and in-person feedback sessions to gain more information. And from that, then we gleaned down uh, about 28, 30 topics that had emerged over the course of those two-year discussions uh, into uh, what we have identified as eight critical issues that we think 
will have impact over the next 30 years for the fire and emergency services. So that's kind of what has brought us to this point today. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, as you said, the the paper identified eight forces impacting the 21st century fire and emergency services. And I do want to talk about a couple of them with the first one, you know, we're just not gonna have time to hit all of them. We could talk about this for a day and a half, two days and still be talking. But um, the, the first one I want to talk about is re-identification. And, you know, I make want to make the point of kind of use this uh, analogy a couple times in different writings that when Ben Franklin formed uh, the Union Fire Company, it, it was 1736. Almost everything in the fire service has changed since then, but we still call them fire companies. So can we talk about that re-identification and why is that recommended? Well, I think one of the things that is different from uh, the time that uh, uh, Ben Franklin and, and the Junto group uh, actually formed uh, the first uh, volunteer fire organization in Philadelphia to today is that if you look at the last uh, 30 years, the transition of what has, has occurred in the fire service as far as what we're responding to has been quite dramatic. Uh, if you look at the statistical information of a, of a department 30, 40 years ago, we were primarily going on fires and and rescue calls. Yeah. But today, that's just not the case. And so about 85% in some departments, it's approaching 85%. But in most departments, and this is, a again, an NFPA and, a, and an infer statistic, but about 60%, 65% of our calls uh, are EMS related. And mm-hmm. in some, some areas, especially, I mean, in Anaheim, I think we were at 85%. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't discount that, that we still need to be prepared for fire and rescue. Uh, but if you look over the course of the last uh, 20 years, I mean, we've included, you know, some highly specialized has, hazardous materials, urban search and rescue. We have SWAT medics. We have nurse practitioners. And we're doing community paramedicine. And I guess the question is, what are we going to be doing 30 years from now? Because as uh, technology improves and um, uh, things impact our delivery systems that we don't even know about yet that haven't even been invented. We're going to have to reformat and, and re-image uh, what we're doing for our communities because it may just be, it's not going to be just fire department. It's going to be many, many other things, or it will be just a shell of what we are today. Yeah, and and it's it's kind of the holy grail, if you will. Uh, you know, there's a lot of those holy grails I can point to over the years that, oh my God, we can't give that up. Oh my God, we can't give that up. And you know, one by one, as the systems have evolved, um, we don't ride back steps anymore. We don't wear three quarter boots anymore. Uh, you know, we don't wear um, a, a lot of things that have changed. Yet that name, fire department. Uh, we're still calling ourselves fire department. So is there a suggestion in the process in, in the paper uh, or is it more of just a discussion, a starting point for discussion? No, I think it's a starting point for discussion. And and, and the fact of the matter is it may be different for every community. Mm. And, and, you know, depending upon what the service demands are and, and really from a long term approach for both, I think, the fire and emergency services today is what services are they going to be in 10, 15, 30 years from now? 
Right. I mean, they they may incorporate uh, several other allied services into their fold because it's part of their core mission, but they they may not be doing everything uh, in the future off of a uh, large piece of fire apparatus with four firefighters. That still may be a component of the deployment system, and it will be for many years into the future. But I think there's going to be ancillary deployment methodologies used as part of an overarching umbrella organization that is really focused on things like community risk reduction and behavioral health and all the things that we're dealing with today, but we're dealing with them in one application of of a deployment model. And I just think that's going to change over the next uh, 20 to 30 years. Yeah. So what what today we call the all hazards response, uh, uh, we don't even know what that looks like tomorrow. So uh, great analysis on that. Um, As we uh, look at a couple of the other eight forces that the report says are impacting, um, one of the others that uh, kind of tweaked our interest was uh, sustainability. So, you know, we talk about it and the report talks a little bit about staying relevant. And, uh, you know, that's always a a discussion point as we, we talk through leadership with people is you need to remain relevant. How about sustainability in that? Um, you know, if, if COVID has shown us anything, it's how fragile the nature of our, our economy and our overall social fabric is. Uh, so it really puts a highlight on the sustainability portion of the white paper. Can you talk about some of the nine initiatives within sustainability from the report? Uh, can you talk about those a little bit? Yeah, I think and it, it relates uh, definitely back to uh our first talking point in re-identification is um, if you wish to be st- sustainable uh, in, in the future, I think the fire and emergency services has to, to grapple with, and again, this is a traditional perspective, but you, you have to understand that if you're going to be relevant uh, 20 to 30 years from now, or maybe even less than 10, you're going to have to incorporate other skill sets and talents into your pool of resources to be able to provide the level of service and the services to meet a changing service demand that will continue over the next several years. And we're not really built that way. And so I think part of what sustainability is about is to begin to look at how do we remain relevant and sustainable organizationally to the communities that we serve. And it's not how we want to serve them, it's how they want us to serve them. And Mm -hmm. that's a different discussion. And uh, oftentimes the fire department uh, will come out and say, this is the deployment model you need, but it may not match the service demands that the community needs. And so uh, that's one factor. The other factor is economics. And um, most chiefs live from budget to budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, only a few chiefs that I know are doing uh, five and 10 year planning with their finance directors uh, and their assist associate directors to look out and say, you know, what's going to be affordable 10 years from now? Where's our pension system liability going to lie five, 10, 15 years from now? You know, well, how is the city or the county positioned to be able to maintain services <clears throat> and how, are, how can we, uh, maybe redeploy in ways that we can sustain a level of service in our core areas, but still be able to expand uh, our mission down, down the road. And uh, so economics is a, is a, is a big piece of that. 
Um, and I think what will play into the, the sustainability piece is also community risk reduction, uh, because it's a big uh, factor in how we uh, will continue to, uh, uh, I think, expand and impact the communities in the future. And again, it's just another way in which we can embrace uh, a new process in which we can uh, relate to our communities and also lower the risk over time. And so I think that's part of sustainability as well. Yeah, the sustainability is uh, critical, Chief. So um, as I look at the initiatives within the white paper, uh, one of the things it talks about is uh, addressing um, the aging fire and emergency service vehicles and, and uh, buildings, the infrastructure. Can you help us there? Yes, uh, you know, one of the things that has been identified is uh, the, the Fire and Emergency Services has about $100 billion of outdated infrastructure. Mm. Uh, uh, fire stations that are uh, approaching or, or over 40 years old, and many of them still don't have a vehicle exhaust removal system. Some of them have mold issues. And as, as you probably have, have lived through, it's very, very difficult for the local fire chief often to address those issues because capital needs for a fire station, if it's already built, even though it's very old and outdated, uh, don't stand up to some of the other issues of capital needs for a community. And sure. so, and the same thing with vehicles. Uh, I, I mean, there, there are departments that are still riding 20 to 30 year old vehicles that uh, have many, many miles on them or out of date uh, from a, you know, just a safety perspective. And again, there's not been any long-term system developed for renewal of the buildings or um, a capital uh, uh, system or a capital. Uh, can we can we start over a little bit? Yeah. Yep. Just pick where you want to start and pick back yeah. up. So I think in many organizations there has been a a lack of uh, planning for building infrastructure renewal uh, replacement uh, and looking at what their needs are. Uh, you know, in the future. And, and the same is true for uh, fire equipment. Uh, in many cases, uh, even though there is a capital replacement plan, that's an easy thing to kick down the road, especially sure. for politicians when they look for money to do special uh, things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's happened. I know that's happened to me on many occasions. And uh, it always comes back to bite you. Down right. The road. So I think that's a, a big, important uh, uh, piece of that. I think the delivery models we've kind of touched on. I think public partnership opportunities exist, and I think we need to continue to explore how we can, uh, how we can do that. And, and a good example of that is uh, looking at how we can cooperate and, and, uh, with our local healthcare system, especially as we get into mobile integrated healthcare and community paramedicine. I think the research strategies uh, for communities to sustain their volunteer uh, fire and emergency services into the future is another critical element. We've talked we talked a lot about this uh, uh, in this paper, and we frankly couldn't come up with specific recommendations and, or solutions other than the fact that this really needs to be championed by uh, uh, the federal government because it is a federal issue. Uh, you know, 70% plus. Uh, of the geography in the U.S. is covered by volunteer firefighters. Yeah. And 
they are very, they're struggling uh, to really maintain their force today uh, and maintain their economic uh, viability. So I think we need to figure out a way that we can sustain that element into the future. And then I think that uh, one of the things from sustainability is how do we revamp our education and training models as we move forward? And this is as much as a sustainability thing as it's probably a generational mm-hmm. piece because as the our new firefighters are coming in and we're just going to have a new generation, Gen Z, be, they'll be hitting the uh, marketplace here pretty quick and mass and then Beyond that, uh, Gen Alpha, which they're called, uh, which are still growing up, they'll be totally immersed in technology. So the way that you and I learned uh, when we were coming up through the service uh, will be non-existent to them. And and so our whole educational process and how we sustain our ability to educate our employee and workforce base is going to change quite dramatically. Yeah, and that's a, a great segue into the next question I had for you is, you know, one of the uh, one of the eight uh, areas that one of the eight forces that the white paper talks about is technology. So can you talk about that uh, impact and, you know, what do we need to do? Uh, what are some of the recommendations for the fire service or emergency services to not only capitalize on the, the technology that's out there, but adapt for the future? Well, I think one of the things as we started to research uh, uh, or into, you know, the technology applications that may impact the fire and emergency services in the next 30 years, it became relatively clear, clear quickly that the fact of the matter is, is we don't know what we don't know and what will be developed in even maybe five or 10 years. Uh, this hasn't even probably been thought about yet. And the yeah. rate of change that is going to occur in the in the remaining 21st century will be unlike anything that we have experienced uh, in the world heretofore. And so it's really hard to predict exactly what that means. But I think uh, as we look to the future, it's not un- unfathomable that... Uh, Technologies will be developed that will replace the very thing that we use for for our fire suppression uh, capability today. And, you know, I just recently saw a video clip from two MIT students who had developed the ability to put fire out with sound waves. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just one example. Um uh, and, and there, there probably are many others, but you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the uh, in the future as far as that aspect. What about smart buildings and smart technology? There's going to be a time, and it's going to be in the in the next generation of firefighters, well, where before they ever leave the station, they will know exactly what they're responding to, because all the information will have been uploaded either from the car that was in the accident from the individual that was wearing a a wearable device that is sending information to the dispatch center, uh, from the building itself that is telling uh, the dispatch center, then via it'll it'll tell the responding units exactly what they're going to. And if we had that information today, just think about how would that change how we deploy our resources? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so 
I, th I think what we have to be willing to do in the fire and emergency services is be able to adapt and leverage uh, this rapidly uh, evolving technology to our advantage. Because if we don't, someone else will. Um, and we've seen that in other, uh, you know, private uh, corporations um, throughout history that if you don't adapt to the evolving technological applications, you're, you're going to be out of business. And so yep. we, we can either be the designer and creator of our own future, or we can hold on to what we're doing today. And at some point it will be irrelevant. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next with respect to the, to the white paper and uh, with the discussion that's ongoing, clearly this isn't a one and done thing. It's not only it's been going on for a couple of years now, but we don't do these things and expect that they'll sit on a shelf. So what's next uh, in this process? Well, I think since it's hit the street, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about it already, as you can probably imagine. Some good, some not so good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. But I think that was part of part of the, uh, the vision of what we wanted the report to do is to get people to start talking. Uh, and I've had several fire chiefs uh, reach out to me already and say, we're using this as, as part of our um, discussion internally about where we're at and where we need to go. And he said, some of those discussions have been very fruitful. Some of them have been very difficult, right? Which yeah. you would expect when you're talking about, hey, we may have to change some stuff down the road. Uh, it's not only the fire service. People typically don't like to do that. But I think the reality is, if if we don't our, we're, if we don't design our own future, somebody else will do it for us. Yeah. And and so I'm hopeful that uh, if there's enough dialogue around some of these issues, and these all these issues won't be relevant to every organization probably, but many of them are. Uh, and so if they are, hopefully they will roll those into their strategic planning process and begin to develop. Uh, and position their organizations to, so that they can be successful in the future. Yeah, I, you know, and I think it's an important thing you you mentioned earlier about you don't know many chiefs that are uh, doing five-year strategic planning with their finance folks. Uh, that is truly uh, the case for places, more rural places where I am in Central Florida that, uh, well, I know a lot of people don't think of Central Florida as rural, but trust me, um, that the five-year strategic planning process is uh, a model of the past in places like this. Mm -hmm. uh, th there is, in some cases, monthly strategic planning because there's no such thing as strategy to the effects of the budget that are uh, that are impacting these places. So we, we truly do need to adapt, and I, I appreciate the uh, effort of the white paper and your effort in steering uh, a lot of the discussion as co-chair uh, to bring this out for the discussion. And you know what? It, it all starts with the discussion, and that's what we're we're doing here today. Um, I want to recapture a, a couple points that you brought up, some important points uh, as we close out here. One is, uh, you know, there is some uh, internal struggle about ICMA, and, you know, I hear it everywhere I go, and you made a great point that ICMA has been ingrained with the IAFC and with the credentialing process for quite a long time. Uh, so this isn't something where ICMA is coming in trying to uh, take over what the fire service has been doing. They've been with us for a long time. 
the next point, uh, if you're going to be relevant, you're going to have to build in different skill sets as your community changes. Uh, it goes to all of uh, what we talked about uh, with sustainability and, and remaining relevant that, you know, just because uh, we were on back step before and just because we wore three quarter boots, things change over time and we don't do those things anymore. You're going to have to build in different skill sets to stay relevant. Great point. Um, you talked about needing training, needing, I'm sorry, you talked about needing to adapt training and development for all of the different generations that come through. We hear that a lot. Uh, we hear about all the different generations, but you know, when you start talking in terms of uh, generation alpha coming through the, the kids that are just uh, growing up right now, that's, it's a new one, you know, and it's a uh, new one for uh, older folks like, we'll say you and I, yeah. um, th those kids are truly from day one, they've had a phone in their hand. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that, that is a huge, huge thing to think about what that uh, culture is going to be like. And then uh, I really like, and you hear this a lot, uh, but it really is applicable to a study like this. We don't know what we don't know. Uh, the rate of change in the next 30 years, I love this, the rate of change in the next 30 years will eclipse anything we've seen before. There's so much truth in that as you look year after year at the changes uh, that uh, have occurred in the fire service. But ultimately, uh, that, that final point, we need to adapt uh, and leverage ourselves in that change, because if we don't, someone else will do it for us. We've been talking with uh, Chief Randy Brugman, uh, who was the co-chair of uh, the white paper we've been talking about, the CPSE and ICMA uh, white paper on 21st century uh, fire and emergency services. This is Mark Bayshore. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk with you next time here on Side Alpha Podcast. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.